0: Welcome to the Billboard on Broadway podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca Millsoff, senior editor at Billboard and Broadway nerd extraordinaire here. So for any of you who are new to the podcast, my hope is always to talk about the ever-increasing overlap between the worlds of pop and rock music and musical theater these days. And few shows melded those two worlds together, as well as Hedwig and the Angry Inch. The rock musical with this thrashing but also heartbreaking score by Stephen Trask, which premiered off-Broadway in 1998, became a total cult favorite and also a movie, and had a huge revival uh, in 2014 starring Neil Patrick Harris. In that production, the role of Yitzhak, Hedwig's sort of long-suffering sideman, was played by Lena Hall, a stunning performance that earned her a Tony Award, very rightly. It may have seemed like Lena burst onto the theater scene from kind of out of nowhere, but she had actually been on Broadway since 2000, performing in shows like Cats, 42nd Street, and Kinky Boots but clearly the world of Hedwig and of rock music was one in which she felt totally comfortable. She went on to perform both Yitzhak and Hedwig in the national tour of the show. And since then, she has done plenty outside the Hedwig universe, including a show at the Cafe Carlisle that I have been to, which is really amazing. She totally wails and from a very short distance. Uh, And more recently, she had a memorable role on the last season of Girls, uh, and she just made her feature film debut in the movie Bex, in which she actually also sings. But her most recent big project, and the reason that I wanted to have her on the podcast, is this especially intriguing thing called Obsessed. Lena is going to be releasing an EP once a month, every month this year, through the label Chickaboom, each one dedicated to the music of a different, fairly iconic artist. And along with the EPs, she's going to be releasing music videos for the related songs every week, which is a lot to wrap your mind around. She kicked things off in January with an album of sort of reinterpreted Hedwig covers Um, for February. She just released an album of Peter Gabriel songs and the upcoming artists she's going to be uh, interpreting include Eldon John, Beck, Pink, Nirvana, Jack White, Radiohead, The Cranberries, Muse, David Bowie, and Chris Cornell. Phew. For any fan of Lena's, it's kind of almost too much forthcoming rock goodness to bear. And for anyone not familiar with her, it's a great introduction not only to her amazing voice, but to her ability to transform rock songs into incredibly intimate personal statements. So I was super happy to chat with her recently about uh, both her history with Hedwig and this ambitious new project.
1: I wanna be Why don't you call my name? Oh, let me be
0: a Well, hello, Lena. Thank you for coming in on this great day. Thank
2: you. Well, thank you for having me.
0: Um, <laughs> I just listened to the newest Obsessed EP, which mm-hmm. is one of my favorites, Peter Gabriel which we will get to. Um, But just to start out, I wanted to talk about the title of this project because obsessed is, I think, a word that we all use these days to talk about everything we love. It's Mm -hmm. like no longer sufficient to just like something. Um,
2: So (laughs) 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 Everything is extra. Yes, everything
0: is super extra. Um, So (laughs) I was curious why this was the word that was like most apt to describe this project for you.
2: I have no I think because it's such like a current word in our vernacular like we use it so much it's it's almost like a slang word now you know um it like literal like literally became kind of like an overused slang word and now you know it's like obsessed everybody's obsessed with this obsessed with that so because it just kind of came up in my mind you know I was like well I'm obsessed with Radiohead so I started doing these concerts and like releasing an album or something called Obsessed because I was like "Well, I'm I'm totally obsessed with this artist and obsessed or or a fan of you know um, their work and and I just thought it was kind of catchy so and it made sense Um, so now from that from just those shows and those other like like the beta obsessed stuff that I did. Now we have the alpha um, version like coming oh. out. Yeah, yeah. And it's really, it's really cool to see this kind of idea I had um, be seen through in a very grand idea, like grand scale. It so. is, it
0: is a grand scale indeed. Well, it occurs to me too that, I mean, when we talk about the kinds of iconic artists that you're, Singing on these albums, it's kind of the only way to talk about them. And it's sort of the way we talk about musical theater that we love, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's sort of like the fan language these days.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and it's fun because what's interesting now about this culture today is that because of social media, because the Internet, we can connect so so easily to other fanatics, you know, of specific things. So you find people, and you have the same interests, and um, you can fan out over anything, really, on on the internet. So, um, for me, this whole series is just a love letter to these artists who have greatly um, influenced me, inspired me, and also have given me strength. Um, and also, and so it's a love letter, but it's also like, I thought, I thought of it like, I'm your best friend and I'm saying, Hey, have you ever heard of this artist? Mm -hmm. And you're like, no. And I'm like, well, here are my four favorite songs or my five favorite songs in this artist. And then I hope, and it has the response so far, um, especially with the Peter Gabriel one, um, have been people who don't know necessarily the Peter Gabriel catalog Hear the songs, which I can't believe that some people just don't know Peter Gabriel. I mean, it just blows my mind. You haven't heard in your eyes, but yeah. I
0: wonder where you've been living. But. Yes, right.
2: Um, but a lot of people, well, well, people know the song, but don't know it's Peter Gabriel, right? Mm-hmm. So what's interesting is that they'll go, "Oh my God, oh, oh, this is," you know, "I have to listen to the original." So then they'll go back. So after hearing my versions, they'll go back, they'll listen to the original, and then they'll dive deeper into the Peter Gabriel catalog or whoever is the artist of the month, like. And that's that to me is is what I want is I want people to hear my versions, be inspired to hear the originals and then be inspired to dig deeper into their, into their catalog and, and become obsessed with that artist. So, so each, I think it's great because each month gets an artist, you know? So for the whole month of February, I get to celebrate Peter Gabriel. We have videos every week from, from the album and, and it's all just this year long, constant content stream for everybody to listen to and love.
0: Um, To rewind just a little bit uh, as to how this all came about in the first place, um, those of us who are musical theater fans obviously know and love you from Hedwig. um, And the first EP you put out in the Obsessed series was of Hedwig songs. So Mm -hmm. I was curious what it was like to kind of transition out of that world into like new projects and new things, and to what extent kind of starting with the Hedwig music was like a good step kind of forward into
2: like new territory for you. Well, I just think because because that show changed my life and has been such a huge, um, well, such a huge part of my life, and uh, a lot of my fans are from the Hedwig, you know, our headheads who love the show and then discovered me that way, and uh, and a lot of people had asked because I played Hedwig as well, uh, played both roles. Um, they asked, they they wanted me to record the songs, and I wanted to do. Some kind of recording, but I didn't want them to be like the show versions. So I tried to really strip it all down um, to its basic parts and and do these songs so that you could hear the lyrics and really experience the song. Um, you know the, the the way Stephen Trask brilliantly wrote them and um, without just without all the bells and whistles, basically taking it down to its like you know essential parts. And I did that with every artist. So the series is like taking these these performers down to their essential parts and um and the bands and whoever and and then celebrating these songs being like look listen to these lyrics i mean and this melody and the chords and how you know the kind of emotion that it just it it the emotions that come up when you listen to each of these artists you know like it's just so fascinating to me because I'm really not much of a songwriter mm-hmm. and so for me songwriting is something that I'm very fascinated with but I also do know that it a song can also be made famous by the performance as well. Totally. So you could have an incredible song and if it's not recorded right, you know, it just kind of falls flat, but you could have kind of some kind of a mediocre song but if there's a performer that just like kills the song, they make it iconic. So I think that's also part of this series.
0: Well, this strikes me as something that for a singer would be super fun, but also mm-hmm. super challenging in the way that, you know, I think we would all like to get up and like sing David Bowie songs, but that's <laughs> not, not always the best idea. Um, and these are, all, I mean, I would say that many of the people who you're sort of reinterpreting on these EPs are what we would call rock stars. Mm-hmm. I think your own sort of stage presence is very rock star like at times. And <laughs> and I would think that it it almost requires some restraint and kind of stepping back to do these more this sort of more introspective approach and not just be like, I want to whale.
2: Yeah. There's others uh, when a song really requires that that sweetness or the delicacy, um, it's hard for me to just trust that because I'm just in this world of more is more, you know, and Mm -hmm. sometimes less, less is more. Sometimes in a lot of time, it's good to have that juxtaposition of the crazy rock and then have something completely opposite, sweet, quiet and, um, make the listener come to you instead of going to the listener. So Mm -hmm. I think, uh, I, I love the Peter Gabriel one because I mean, it's a good, there's, there's both sides of those. Um, of those ideas like I can really rock out but then you know there's also songs where I have to be sweet and in the delivery um, delicate in the delivery Um, and I just I enjoyed working on these so much it's just so much fun it is a dream project to have like Shikaboom and Warner like do this for me essentially they took us they took a big risk on an idea um, and a risk on me that I could deliver you know we had I filmed it and recorded it all, all in eight days. And um, it's just, crazy. the. and I've, I've, heard, I've gotten to hear all the mixes for all of the albums. And um, I can't believe what we accomplished. It's really, I'm like just shocked. It's, it's
0: crazy. I What were those initial conversations about the Project Light with Chicka Bloom and Warner? Because I think it's amazing that they took a chance on something that is this ambitious and this just completely like your brainchild kind of.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was originally approached by Kurt Deutsch um, from um, Chickaboom about the Hedwig obsessed album because I was doing beta and the Hed- I was doing obsessed beta. I like that we're just yeah. calling it beta and alpha yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> because it's like it was like the first idea of this bigger idea, and um, I had already done like Radiohead and Bowie, and I was about to release Hedwig, and he came and he was like, "Hey, we want to." Like, let's talk about us releasing the Hedwig one. I was like, okay. So I came in to a meeting with him and we were talking about just the Obsessed series in general. And Kevin Gore, who um, is the head of Warner Chapel, he sat down with us and he had looked at all of the things that I had been doing in the music space, including this thing I did on YouTube called Stripped, um, where I I had only done 19 videos. um, But I had planned on doing a video a week, you know, and just doing this raw performance and wanted to feel like you were in the room with me something that was very um real and and also stripped down like you know to the to its basic parts so you got like a performance in your in your apartment the idea was that i knew i know a lot of my fans are from around the world and they can't get to new york or i can't get to them to perform and they all wanted to see me perform live since that's what i love doing and and uh and so this, to me, was a way to like get them to see me perform live was the stripped video series, and I wanted to do it for the whole year, but I couldn't. And then Kevin Gore was like, "Hey, I saw this strip thing, and this upset. What if we combined like combine the ideas, and then we started talking about this big, huge project of doing you know a song a week essentially, and um an artist a month and like a video a week and and that was. Kind of a terrifying idea, but I was very overconfident. And I was like, yeah, I could totally do this. It's fine. <laughs> um, to me, I was like, we could do it in two days. But no, uh, <laughs> we needed a little more time than that. But once we got Justin Craig on board, who produced it, and he also um, did the arrangements as well as played on it. Once he was on board, it all just kind of clicked together. It came together really fast in a month, and then we, fil- then we filmed and recorded it, and now everything's coming out individually.
0: Does, does the fact that you did it all so quickly kind of keep you from getting too in your head about it or too mm-hmm. precious about it?
2: Yeah. We had an hour per song, essentially, to record. And, um, and so I would uh, – we, we had to do two full takes for camera anyway – so we did about three to four takes per song. So a few times that, times 54. That's how many times I sang, like, over eight <laughs> days. I thought I was going to die, but I did it. I prevailed in the long run. Um, but what was great about it is I'm, I'm very critical of myself. Like, I think most people are hypercritical of their voices or, like, seeing themselves on camera or photos. You know, and I do that. I can pick myself apart to no end. And vocally as well. So for me, it was kind of freeing because if I was like, all right, the performance is fine. Like, <laughs> we need to move on. Like, that was it. You know, we made sure there, was, there weren't any big clunkers and and moved on from it. And And I wanted to make sure I kept the vibe of this project as kind of organic as possible with minimal production. So... My voice, there's just no auto-tune. You get a live performance. You get a live... You get that live quality. You get to... um, I wanted to tell the story from start to finish, you know, and I wanted people to experience that vocal story, essentially, Mm -hmm. the performance from start to finish, which you don't get a lot of because people are, you know, they get too perfect with everything. Everything has to be so perfect, and it's like we forget that what makes something so beautiful is the imperfections within it, so... To me, it's like a celebration of, you know, all my imperfections. Just get to see right there. There's cracks and all kinds of stuff. And it still sounds pretty good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, you were saying that, you know, all of these artists you've chosen are great songwriters. And um, I think that they all have, there's something soulful about all of them. Mm -hmm. But I was curious if you saw any kind of through line with the singers you chose that make them feel really appropriate to you as an artist and good for your voice, too.
2: Well, I made sure that each one was something I I could interpret well. Um, there are other artists that I wouldn't need to touch because they're just, it's just, I don't, you know, it's like, it's like, I don't know what I would do different than Ann Wilson. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like other than just like, I, I know. I want to hear that. <laughs> I know. I I love. I'm obsessed with heart. You know, and I and doing the 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 first initial selection was very difficult. I had to narrow it down to twelve, which was almost impossible. And the reason, like, I don't feel like I'm improving upon Pink at all by doing her, but what I do feel like is right now in in my space like in my she represents so much of what I love and want to be in the current space now Me too. she's strong she's she's such a strong sense of herself and like she takes risks and performs and is just so talented and she's the real deal and she doesn't have to rely on the big theatrics and while she'll use the big theatrics like when she did the glitter in the air performance which was mm-hmm. unbelievable <laughs> even though she'll use that, she'll still keep it, there's some kind of truth in it. So, the fact that she did that performance, but then also was singing live, hanging upside down in an arch position, and whatever, I mean, if you're not a singer, you don't understand how hard that is, but as a singer, you do understand how unbelievably difficult that is, and how amazing it was to watch her. And, uh, and to me, there's, like, just such this sense of joy in her performances, you know? It's this authentic self that I see that is projected from her. Mm -hmm. Um, that I I always look to in an artist, look to find, um, and uh, and th- and that's why I really, you know, chose pink and not heart, you know, mm-hmm. a heart I love, and they're forever, and I'll end up doing them anyway. but like <laughs> t- but to me, it's like right now in the moment for me, for my life, pink is like 100 percent just. Like, I am woman, hear me roar. Yeah. And we we did the Cranberries um, before Dolores Arudin passed away. And so, I mean, that made me very sad because it just, it, it's, it's very, it's just very, very sad and tragic. And her, her death is completely untim- um It's t- totally shocking. Mm-hmm. Came out of nowhere. And uh, her voice to me just mm. is the, it was the, um, the voice of a generation of my nineties of my heartbreak and my, you know, everything I was going through in high school and like my early, like that, that early twenties, but like late teens kind of area, which is right when you're leaving home, but you're, you're still just a kid and, but you think you're an adult, you know, and you're going through a heartbreak and that's, that's what she really represents for me. And, um, and I, I love the cranberries so much and um and so you yeah, know that's i did it because her voice was just this very strong kind of sense of the 90s for me you know mm-hmm. like it, it defined it and and she was an original who could have made yodeling so cool? Yes, like so cool. <laughs> I didn't even think of it as yodeling. Yeah, I just think yeah. of it as like what she does. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, she made it really cool, and uh, not only that, she was also like rockin', rockin'. So they had these sweet songs, but then they also have like something like Salvation, which is just like a rock song. Mm-hmm. And um, and she had that pixie look that's so famous in the '90s with the like the thin eyebrows. You know, it's just like. That to me was it was everything. Everything I wanted once, to be. Yeah. Everything I wanted to be. yeah.
0: Completely. Um. And I can totally imagine you doing cranberries really well. Um, <laughs> and that, which is what I'm not thinking about. But I'm trying to bring my brain back to Peter Gabriel momentarily. Oh my god. I mean, the cons. I'm a kind of a diehard Peter Gabriel fan, and I um I can't imagine picking just four <laughs> Peter Gabriel songs. Very and hard. Like, How? Oh. Um. And... Well, I wanted
2: to do a couple famous ones, mm-hmm. and then I wanted to make sure I had a deep cut in there. So that people who aren't fans or don't know, like, so that they know that the same person wrote this, and then they also wrote this cool thing that you would never have just like listened to on the fly, maybe, mm-hmm. unless unless you were doing like a deep dig into his catalog. And um, that's that was the song. The song for for um, for well for every artist, pretty much. I tried to go with like couple really famous songs and then like a couple more of the deep cuts, the little more of the ones that I love more, you know, because I'm not always someone who goes for the big star of a song. Sometimes I really like the B sides of an artist more.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I find even the way you did the two really well-known songs, um, I find it interesting that one... Sounds a lot like the original in terms of the arrangement and the instrumentation, I think, in your eyes is sort of what we're accustomed to hearing. Mm-hmm. And then I was interested in the way you did Sledgehammer because it almost has kind of a little bit of like a folky, mm-hmm. almost sort of like rockabilly-ish feel to it, yeah, which is totally. not a, not something I had heard in it before.
2: Yeah, totally. I, that came about when we were doing the orchestrations, sitting together and like figuring out, not orchestrations, but figuring out how we were going to represent this amazing song that i mean was it one of in your eyes this is biggest hit but sledgehammer really i would say that's like close that's behind. like yeah. yeah that that video was what yeah that video was a massive deal yeah and um uh we were trying to figure out how to celebrate the song appropriately but not trying to copy the original arrangement but give a, a new flair with this this only like this little tiny three-piece unplugged bam that we have you know so not having all of the horn you know not having Mm -hmm. all of that stuff how do we do this and make it cool and interesting and that's kind of what came out of it so a lot of times uh, when we did come talk to me I I remember the first time we did it we had it completely it was way more like the original Mm -hmm. we were trying and I had to stop and be like no 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 this is not what we're doing like we're not trying to copy the original. Like, let's come up with something different, like something and something totally stripped down. Let's like take the original arrangement out of our minds and then just try to make it our own that fits with us. Because if we tried to recreate all of Come Talk to Me, I mean, Come Talk to Me is just this epic song, you know, yeah. with like like ma- those massive drum, you know, things like per- p- timpani and. There, there's I mean, like I think his music is very epic, yeah. in
0: general. it's like epic emotions and often pretty epic arrangements mm-hmm. I just I, it just seems like it's it's such a a hard thing not to not to turn something like this into like very well done karaoke and yes, like, yeah. as you're talking, it's like doing a lot of thinking and being like, let me step back a minute, mm-hmm. not do this the way I maybe naturally would want to but yeah, yeah,
2: exactly like that that was the hardest part about it. Was like saying, wait, you guys, we don't have, like the reason why we don't have this big orchestra and thing is because we want to do a different thing. Mm-hmm. So let's stop, you know, let's rethink it, like re- reset and here we go from there. But usually the fixes would be almost immediate. It was like we were all really game to just fix things in the room too. Mm-hmm. I and mean, we did a little tiny bit of rehearsal. We had eight hours of rehearsal before we shot um, and and recorded. And then in rehearsal, if something didn't feel right to me, I stopped, we fixed it, and then we went on. We mm. didn't really have time to be precious again with it. And if it didn't feel right, I stopped it immediately, and we moved on from it. Yeah.
0: Well, as I have to selfishly ask, because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a really, really, really big Chris Cornell fan, yeah. um, can you give me like any preview of what that one will be like or why you chose him to, to work with? Well,
2: I chose him because his voice is one of those voices that really inspired me to sing the way I sang. Mm-hmm. And... Um, He's got that effortless rasp and that like pain you know that's just like when he sings you you feel it and it's it's just a rare breed of of singer to to come from a man i mean the notes he hits and how he hits them and how he sings is just incredible um he's a very emotional singer to me mm-hmm. and uh and I love his bands, you know the iterations of all the bands that he was in, and then his solo stuff that he did, he did uh, he did a tour with it was just him on, a, gu- on mm-hmm. a on a guitar. I took a lot from that, you know. That to me it was really important. To me, a woman singing those songs have, brings different meaning and a different kind of flavor to it. Totally. Yeah. So, um, so you know that that was enough for me. You know, um, and uh, all I can say is that they'll be like. Uh, a surprise on there that I think people, <laughs> people like don't know the song um, and what was interesting to me too is that he was a writer he wrote a lot of them well he wrote all those songs not not all the songs that I actually did record mm-hmm. were necessarily written by the artist but were made famous by the it's artist
0: intriguing yeah mm. mm-hmm. oh my god will it be a cover of the cover of Billy Jean <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would not object to that yeah moving on <laughs> Um, among the people you're, uh, interpreting, who was sort of the hardest to get into and to figure out like how you were going to approach them?
2: It's Beck. Um, Beck's amazing and has been around for a long time and he, he covers all different kinds of genre and his music is really cool. Like he's never afraid to try something out. So he's not afraid, like he he'll rap and do something totally hip hop and then he'll turn around and he'll like do a bossa Nova. Like (laughs) who does that? Um, but it's, it's fearless. It's basically like this fearless kind of producing music writing. You know, he's just like, this is the song and I'm going to do it this way and it's going to work. And it does. Mm -hmm. Um, he's kind of chameleon, I guess. And I, I mean, I love his music. I think he's so cool. I love his music. And, um, what was hard for me was to hear it sung by a singer, because he's not really a singer. Singer, he's yeah, not yeah. wailing or anything. It's all about his attitude and about
0: it's kind of speak singing. Yeah,
2: yeah, you know, like kind of like Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. You know, because Bob Dylan is very much just a poet. Mm-hmm. You know, a speak singer. And it's less rooted in like a like a ferocious melody. You know, it's mm-hmm. more rooted in the story. <laughs> ferocious to... melody and yeah. not <laughs> two things I put in the same sentence. <laughs> but you know what I mean, and. uh and um that was hardest for me was to like get outside of that get away from that like being in your face screen singing and um and allow the song to do the talking. Mm-hmm. And and it was really fun coming up with our versions of the songs that we chose. Uh I think it's a surprise.
1: Okay. I think
2: it's a real surprise. We'll it's see. See it's, a <laughs> it's a wild card. It's a mean, wild card. It's so cool. It's it's unexpected. There's songs that I I that we chose I was really excited about, and like, they turned out like I would have never imagined and better than I could have come up with myself. You know, I'm a real collaborator, I need, I need people to collaborate with, you know, I'm not the, hundred, the be all end all or anything, you know, I just mm. like to interpret songs. And I need people around me, I need musicians to help me interpret those songs. Um, and like, I was just surrounded by the right people.
0: Is this a project that you can see kind of being ongoing as you're doing shows and like being in productions at the same time, or is that the kind of thing that really requires your like full, complete attention?
2: <laughs> no, I think that this thing goes. Can it, what's so fun about it is that because we can record it in eight days, um, I can do it all year. Like the the content comes out all year, but it was recorded in eight days. So. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's nothing left for me to do other than promote it. And what's so, that's what I love about it is because like I can get it done in, in a short amount of time and yet like celebrate it all year round. And we're already talking about a season two. I mean, we're already like thinking about, I'm already getting requests from people inside of Warner and like, you know, people want me to, yeah, people want me to cover the, and we've just gotten to the second album, you know, so I'm thrilled it's going to be a slow grower as far as, like, fans. I think, you know, it'll slowly grow momentum. It wasn't supposed to, to like, be huge at first. I like the idea of organically growing into something that's this... It's it's a series, you know, like a series that people look to to, like, find a new artist through one, you know, easy avenue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like your best friend telling you to listen to the... You know, you trust your best friend's taste in music and, no these are like these are like
0: little mixtapes sort of yeah that's like a mix of one artist but yeah, they yeah, so yeah, little exactly <laughs>
2: exactly and it's fun because i i love hearing what fans um connect with i love seeing when like a fan of the artist will you know tweet me and be like i don't know who you are <laughs> you know <laughs> and but i'm gonna listen to this but i'm just telling you it's gonna be hard to beat Peter Gabriel, I can't imagine that you can do anything. And then they come back and they're like, oh, my God, I really like I'm surprised at your song choices. And I loved it. And, you know, like, I can't wait to hear the next artist. That's mm-hmm. exactly like that makes me really happy.
0: Well, it's. I also just have to say that the whole Warner Chica partnership is so exciting to me. And mm-hmm. it's like so great to see them working with artists like you and I feel like I saw you at all these like Grammy parties this year and I was like <laughs> okay
2: <laughs> yeah I like that um for the Grammys you know the musical theater we got some love a little this love year. Yeah. yeah yeah um it's it's rare that we get it's rare that musical theater gets any kind of cred um other than like the Tony Awards you know and uh and we're getting way more credit because I think people are really starting to understand Again, this old art form that's been around forever, um, but the the you know the sheer how hard it, it's very hard, very hard, and,
0: and and the musical theater world is completely accepting people from the pop world well, now. Course, so yeah. people from the pop world should invite y'all to their parties. Exactly, we're cool. <laughs> yes. Um, well, I have to ask. I mean, I think that you have such a great rock voice and as we've seen in, in both Hedwig and Kinky Boots too, Mm -hmm. you um, you've been in some shows that are working within kind of the rock pop idiom and you seem really comfortable there. I'm curious whether it feels like that is sort of where you've become most comfortable. You see yourself going more in that lane or is there like a part of you that secretly really wants to do a Rogers and Hammerstein musical?
2: Yeah. See, (laughs) I, I don't, I'm okay so I'm doing a show okay I've done a bunch of shows at the Carlisle mm-hmm. and the Cafe Carlisle is I have been to one of them yes a famous old like old school Lots music venue a lot of white t- very expensive and um, like usually it's a bunch of show tunes or like standards and I came in there and I sang the Sex Pistols you know yes I did That's I did some like crazy rock and roll so you know, the answer is I'll always be happiest, you know, singing hard rock. But I'm doing another I'm doing another Carlisle show in March and um, this time around because I have this rock. Pro- the thing is, is that usually I don't get to sing a lot of rock and roll and I usually only get to sing musical theater. Like and so I, I, I was just like, all right, I just want to sing rock and roll, you know, like mm-hmm. outside of things. Um, But now because I have this Obsessed series and I have a broader Avenue to sing rock And pop now I get to So I'm going to do at the Carlisle it's just All musical theater like And I'm going to tell all the stories about My bombed auditions and kind Of maybe reenact some Yay! (laughs) (laughs) I like the idea of people knowing that It's hard for everyone To audition It just sucks like to know the process To know what you go through Every every audition is different and like it equally as terrifying and it never gets easier, you know. Yeah. So it's fun to tell these stories that I just have many, 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 many of, um, and and then sing the songs that I bombed on. It'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm excited and officially coming out because I
0: feel like I feel I don't know why I feel like I know this that you somehow have never been a Maureen in Rent.
2: Never, that yeah. Right? That makes Rent no sense to or me. Wicked or. <laughs> Yeah, there's all there's all these ones where people are like, "You've never done that show." I'm like, "I've never done that show. I've been They're in like, a million I times. I just can't. Yeah, I can't get cast. You know, that's the thing. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of those. There's some funny ones, um, and then there's like really where you're like, "You really you went in to be Lori in Oklahoma? Like what? what? Yeah. So so there'll be some surprise, you know, soprano stuff because I back in the day I was a soprano."
0: Wow, Oklahoma! Wrapping my mind around that. Yes, <laughs> <Amazing>. <laughs> this is why I was saying maybe there is a Rodgers and Hammerstein wish in your future. Yeah, maybe who knows? <laughs> Anything could happen. Um, well, thank you so much for coming. Of course. Super fun to talk to you, and I can't wait to see which one is next.
2: Grand
0: would like to follow Lena's Obsessed project, go to lenahallobsessed.com where you can get updates on when each EP is dropping. And if you're in New York, there are a few opportunities to see Lena perform live coming up. She'll be at Rockwood Music Hall Stage 2 on February 26th, and she'll be starting another run at the Cafe Carlisle with the all-new show that she just mentioned to me on March 13th if you love billboard on broadway on the other hand please subscribe give us lots of stars and nice reviews on itunes uh, you can always find me on twitter at rebecca Millsoff. you can use hashtag billboard on broadway if you feel moved to tweet about the podcast and hope to have you back for the next episode blah, 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 blah.